We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wanted just someone to hand you a blank check? Have you ever wanted just maybe one wish from the genie, so to speak? You know what I'm talking about. I, uh, I often, I, I grew up, I watched this movie when I was younger called The Blank Check, and it's about this kid who, uh, you know, he gets hit on a bike, and the businessman quickly writes him a check and hands it to him and says, tell your kid, uh, your parents to fill in the number, buy a new bike, and instead the kid does what most humankind would have done, and he puts in a million dollars, right? And the whole storyline is that he then, at like 12 years old, goes and buys his own house, and he has a pool, and he has a, 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 a slide that goes from his bedroom window out into the pool. Like, it's all the things that every kid or adult would ever want, right? Uh, so what's really interesting about the whole thing is that uh, we've all, from time to time, wanted that one wish. Like, if I could just have one wish... Well, I want to talk to you about somebody in the Bible who actually had pretty much a blank check given to him from God, and he had the one opportunity to make a decision. And although many of us would have probably wished for that fame or that fortune, maybe some of us would have wished for a different kind of success, he actually has the right answer. And so uh, we're going to begin uh, a mini-series today that is called Lessons from King Solomon. Uh, But today we're going to be talking about prayer that moves heaven. Prayer that moves heaven. You know, let me kind of catch you up on the story. All right. King David has led Israel for 40 years. It's an amazing, they've had amazing provision. It's an amazing place. It's, it's, it's a blessed kingdom. Okay. But now after 40 years, he has transitioned leadership and his, his son Solomon has now been established as king and King David has passed. And as the scripture says, he's going to rest with his ancestors, right? And so now King Solomon is only 15 years old. Yet he has just become one of the, the most powerful kings in one of the most powerful kingdoms on earth. And The first thing he chooses to do is go to Gibeon. Gibeon isn't just a place to offer sacrifices to the Lord. It's the place to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And while he's there, we're going to pick it up in 1 Kings 3, we're going to see this blank check appear before King Solomon. This this one wish, so to speak, okay? 1 Kings 3, you ready to read with me? The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. A thousand burnt offerings. That's a lot, by the way. That is a lot of cattle. That is a lot of uh, financial uh, offering for King Solomon. So he didn't come and tip God, by the way. He came and brought before God a worship worthy of God. Yes? And then at Gibeon, uh, it says, The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow, that's quite the wish. That's quite the blank check before King Solomon. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you 
have made your servant king in a place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, two numbers to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. What is he praying for right here? Wisdom. He's praying for wisdom. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So he had this blank check given to him. He had this one wish. God said, hey, what do you want? What do you need? How many times would we choose something other than wisdom? It says the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. So what is he talking about? This wasn't just a wisdom for himself. This is also about administering justice for the people, right? He says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. That basically tells me biblically that he was the most discerning, wise person on the planet. Okay? It goes on to say this. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. What's interesting is God gives him the thing he asked for, but because he asked for the right thing, he gave him all the things that someone would have maybe asked for otherwise that he could have asked for, but chose the fate of the people more than his own kingdom's riches. And then, it's interesting to me, he goes, and if you will continue to follow my instructions, then I will also. There's just this amazing moment when we realize the blank check that was before King Solomon he prayed and asked for the one thing that many of us in this world, many of the people that would have had the opportunity to rub the lamp one time, many of us that were hoping to hit the lottery the one time, the one thing that he asked for is not normally on our radar. That tells me one thing. He was wise before God made him wiser. Humans were prone to pray for the wrong thing. Here's a question. Am I praying the wrong prayers? Am I praying the wrong prayers? And, and many of us have been hoping for the riches or the opportunity to drop into our laps for overnight success, maybe fame and fortune. But if we got what we prayed for, would we be wise enough to manage it? Could we even succeed with it? You know, it makes me think of in the scripture in, in Genesis, God creates the whole world. He creates, uh, you know, the land. He separates the water from the sea. He, he creates all the living things. And he creates the, the trees. He creates uh, the, the food sources. And then he creates man. There's an order to things. And oftentimes, if we're not careful and we start asking for things out of order we'll come to realize we didn't have what it took to manage the thing if we were to have received it in the first place. If man was placed on the earth before the food source, we would have had a problem. God is a God of process and order. 
sometimes we find ourselves just praying out of order. Maybe that the prayer is actually comes from a right place and you desire the right thing, but maybe you haven't actually prepared to manage what you're asking to receive. Are you getting this? Perhaps we're praying the wrong prayers. Maybe hoping for our number to just be called. Solomon had just become king and the most important requests he had was for wisdom. So here's another question. Am I praying for something I haven't prepared for yet? Again, oftentimes we're praying for a harvest, but we've never sown. Rather than praying, God will bless the seeds that we have planted. What am I saying? Oftentimes we're just looking for harvest season, but we haven't done anything to receive a harvest. Makes me think of this. Let me kind of paint a picture for you. My family's from the south, so the idea of sitting on a front porch with a rocking chair watching a thunderstorm with a cup of sweet tea. That sounds pretty nice. Maybe to everybody, but it's a dear place in the south, right? And it kind of makes me think, our prayers kind of look like this. Imagine a farmer sitting on his front porch complaining about no harvest while he eats all of his seed complaining about the rain. What's wrong with that picture? Well, instead of eating the seed, he could have sowed the seed. Instead of complaining about the rain, he could have thanked God for the rain that was watering the seed. And instead of wishing upon a star for a harvest, he can be praying in faith, believing for a good harvest season because he is prepared for it. We've been asking potentially for the wrong things because we're asking for things we haven't prepared for yet. We haven't potentially had what I would call the right password or passcode. I remember growing up really wanting a fort, you know, maybe a tree fort, uh, maybe one of those cool ones that the little rascals had. It was like a big barn. I don't know how they were able to do what they did, but that's something. But I wanted one so that I could have a cool passcode, like a password, you know what I mean? Now, I'm a social person, so everyone in the neighborhood would have had the password, but they would have been required to use it because rules are rules. You know, I don't know. I I do think the Little Rascals one, the Oogie Boogie, that was pretty cool. I might have taken that one. Uh, I'm just not sure which one I would have taken. Open Sesame is probably too usual. But there would have had to have been something that allowed me to know I can open the door for these people. Right? I know that our God is a God that opens doors. I know that when we pray the right prayers, we often get open doors. Look what it says in Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you if your sons ask for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake? If you then, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your child or children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Why did I take the time to read that whole thing? Let me say this, that when I think of God, I'm under the understanding that we serve a God who likes opening doors and giving good gifts to his children. Is that what you took from that? It's what I took from that. So why do we often not see answers to our prayers? Can we be real? 
I mean, I'm not the only person in here that's prayed and hadn't seen something happen from time to time. Sometimes it is a lack of faith. I, I can't believe for it. Sometimes it's just the wrong time. It would ruin me if I had gotten it the time I asked for it. Other times, maybe it's just that I'm praying the wrong prayers because I'm asking for things I've never prepared for. Are you getting this? I'm not here to give you a foolproof plan on how to get an open door every time. I'm just trying to tell you and help you understand what gets the attention of heaven. I realized early on that sometimes I was just praying the wrong prayer. Some of you still in here might be thinking, is that even possible? I was told there was no wrong way to pray. So is there such thing as wrong prayers or praying wrong? No. And yes. No, there's no wrong way to pray where God doesn't hear you. Yes, you can pray in a way that doesn't move heaven. That doesn't move God's hand. Again, this isn't a formula to give you secrets on how to strong arm God or twist his arm. He will not be saying uncle to you. It's an understanding of which prayers God is pleased to receive, as it says in 1 Kings 3.10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. It's about understanding what moves heaven. It's about understanding the prayers that move heaven. Let me give you an example of a prayer that won't move heaven and one God is pleased to receive an answer. Are you ready? You guys awake out there? Maybe I'm just hitting close to home. Maybe. But the first service woke up earlier than you. And I didn't have to ask that question. You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's act like you have a party you've got to go to tonight. And that person you hope isn't going to be there was invited. You've been there. Maybe it was a corporate Christmas party. And you were like, oh, I got to go to this, but I really hope that person doesn't show. Many of you may have even prayed a prayer something like this. Lord, please don't let them show up. Look, I have to go, but please don't let them be there. And when they showed up, you were frustrated and perhaps a bit let down, thinking God should have sent an angel to flatten a tire so they wouldn't be able to make it that night. Um, I just, I, in my mind, I imagine like a, a hitman angel in heaven. You know, like Jimmy from Southie of the Pearly Gates. You know, like he's south of the Pearly Gates. And I can just imagine, you know, we pray that prayer and Jimmy's like, I heard him. I'm on my way. <laughs> Jimmy goes, does his thing. Comes back up. Hey, God, I'm back. It's done, right? Yep. Slashed a hole in all four tires. But maybe next time he thinks before he cheats, eh? <laughs> Look, that's not the right prayer to pray. For us to be banking on the hitman angel in heaven to make something happen. Come on now. I know it's funny, but that prayer, Lord, please don't let them show up. I've even prayed it at one point. It's the wrong prayer to pray, and it's not moving heaven. Instead, the right prayer that should have been prayed was, God, please give me patience tonight with this person. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom on how I can help them, because they need help. 
Prepare me to be able to turn the other cheek if they get nasty. And give me patience and long-suffering to keep my cool so I can wear you well. See the difference? The first prayer was only self-serving. The second prayer is self-stretching and growing. Hmm. One prayer serves only self, whereas the other prayer has the potential to be life-giving. We need to be asking God for things that grow us and others, not just our bank accounts. Hmm. Number one, pray self-growth prayers. I call these me prayers. We always want to pray me, me, me prayers, but there are actually me prayers that do something. There are me prayers that God is happy to receive. There are me prayers that are going to benefit you. There's an appropriate time to pray me prayers, but it's most appropriate when it's character development, not just personal net gain prayers. The, uh, the appropriate me prayers are usually uncomfortable to the one praying them. Because they are prayers like making me a new heart. They are prayers like, Lord, give me patience. Help me grow my discipline. Whoo! Mm. It's about personal development. Those are the good me prayers, okay? Uncomfortably honest prayers focused on self-development always creates healthy change. Solomon understood his limitations. And when we know our limits... It allows us to be honest with God. The more honest we see ourselves, the more honest our prayer for growth and change becomes. Again, Solomon understood his limitations. He says, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. I do not know a 15-year-old teenager that is calling themselves a child. That's pretty humbling. That's pretty honest. But actually, more than anything, it's the words from a child who knows they can no longer be a child because they must be a king. It's having such an open, honest look at yourself that you're willing to pray the hard prayers even if they don't make you look good. I'm just a little child. I can't do this without your help. Solomon understood what came before him. He understood that his father, David, I mean, we're talking, when it comes to kings, David is still the comparison. Right? David, the most powerful and revered warrior king Israel ever had known. These were the shoes he was about to try and fill. He also understood what was before him. A thriving kingdom that needed more than he could give without God's help. So his prayer was to grow. The most honest we get, or the more honest we get in our prayers the more pliable our heart becomes for God's shaping and molding. The reality is, like vessels, the scripture calls us jars of clay. It calls us clay vessels. And just like vessels in the hand of the potter, he's shaping our lives. I look at it and go, when I get honest and I talk to God about what I'm really dealing with, it puts my heart in a place that's tender enough for him to be able to mold without hurting me. Every time I ask the Holy Spirit for help, it's like the Holy Spirit's hands are dipped back in the water and then they come back to me and it's easier for me to move and be shaped with it. It's the people that have allowed their heart to get hardened that when God finally tries to change them, it hurts. Everything just hurts. We got to stay pliable. 
So Solomon knew enough that he was going to need God to succeed, so he invited God in humbly at the beginning. We too should be looking to honestly invite God into our mess early. Because it's going to be a mess. One way or another, we're going to deal with messy things because we live in a fallen world and we're not perfect. See, at 15 years old, he understood if I don't get God in here early, helping me early, I'm going to have to send out those desperation last minute prayers. And although they can work, who wants to live a life of desperation needing miracles daily? The reality is we're called to be blessed to be a blessing. And if I need a miracle every day, it's hard for me to bless anyone else. God, I need your help early. I need you involved early. And I need wisdom on how to move forward in my life. Are you getting this, church? Number one, pray self-growth prayers, which I call me prayers. The appropriate me prayers. Number two, pray mutually beneficial prayers, what I call we prayers. It takes personal growth to be able to pray we prayers. And it is true, our prayers need to eventually go from me to we. How many know it's easy to pray those personal gain prayers? It's, it's hard to consider and pray for what's mutually beneficial for many. Why? Because our natural bias is down. We're naturally selfish. We, we naturally live with the disposition of survival of the fittest. I'm going to take care of my own and they'll have to figure it out. That's why we tend to pray selfish zero-sum game prayers. What am I talking about? Others have to lose for me to win. Lottery-style prayers where in order for me to move ahead, others can't. See, let me talk to the business people out here. Look, if you own a business, you shouldn't be praying that the other business tanks so that you can grow. You shouldn't be praying against your competition, hoping that hitman angel Jimmy shows up. You should be praying that they get so blessed from diversifying, they no longer are a head-to-head competitor. You should be praying, you know what, God, I pray. I pray that they're so blessed in a different avenue that they actually have to shift gears and focus on bringing in the hall over there so that I have the ability to continue the growth you have for me. You know, when it comes to maybe you're a business owner and you need, um, you need more space and you're looking at the perfect space, the only problem is someone else is in it. You don't pray that the business tanks. You don't tell Hitman Jimmy to go mess up the books. What you do is you pray that they get so blessed they too need more square footage so they've got to find a new place so that it opens up for you because that's a mutually beneficial prayer. And here's the thing. When we actually begin to pray for our competition in a way that actually is honest, that gets the attention of heaven. That moves heaven. It's really an unbelievable thing. I, I, my kids know this. If they ride into church with me on a Sunday morning, I don't have the radio and I turn it off and I'm, I'm normally praying from my house. Not to, sound, um, <laughs> not to sound super spiritual, but I need a lot of help. I'm inviting God in. But part of my prayer is actually, I pray for every church I pass, which there's a lot of churches. And I honestly pray that God would bless them in their morning service. I pray that people would come from everywhere. I pray that there would be revival in our community, not just in my church. 
I pray for pastors by name. I pray that God would continue to bless them. And I know it's not the same thing, but I'll tell you in church life, competition exists. I want to protect our church's heart. I want to protect my heart. And the reality is there's enough people for everybody to reach someone. Can I tell you, your business, there's enough people for you to reach. You don't need someone else to tank. Let's change our prayers so that they're not, they're not zero-sum game prayers. They're not, they have to lose so that I can win. It's God, you're the God of a river, not a pie. Your blessing continues to flow. I don't have to worry about my piece of the pie. I'm just going to pray that you, you like just let that river flow. Let that blessing come and let it be mutually beneficial. You get in this church. I believe the most Christ-like thing I can do is pray prayers that benefit more people than just me. When Solomon asked for wisdom, it wasn't just for his benefit. It was for the, the benefit of all that he was called to lead. First Kings, going back to that original scriptures, it says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. What's the next line say? For who is able to govern this great people of yours? His prayer wasn't for himself only. His prayer was, God, I want to do right by these people. I want to make sure that I lead the way you want me to. And how can I do that without you? His prayer went from me to we. And it moved heaven. It moved God's hand. God, it says that God was so pleased. Not only did he bless him in that manner, he blessed him in every other manner. Could it just be that we are actually praying the wrong prayers? Could it be that we are too focused on me instead of we? Could it be that we're too focused on praying for things that we haven't even prepared yet to manage? Wondering, God, why don't you answer these things? We're just not using the right passcode. We're actually not using the right method in which is going to be a blessing not only to us but to others. When we ask God for growth, for the benefit of others, we begin praying prayers that please God. We begin using the right passcode. And as we close, one last question. Are my prayers in a position to be answered? What do I mean by that? Jesus made it very clear. For those that have any wonder about who Jesus is and how he fits in, he's, he's the key that opens the door that gives us access to the Father. Actually, if you look at what it says in John 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name, when we petition the Lord, when we pray to the Lord, he's saying, whatever you ask in my name, what is he saying? I'm the access points. God sent me here. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to be here for your salvation. But the only way the prayer works is through the name of the one who came and did what no one else did. Our access point is Jesus Christ. And so if we're praying up prayers, but we haven't even received Jesus, it's not in his name. So it brings me back to the number one question of the day. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Where do you stand? We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church. 